Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 37 of season one of This Osteopathic Life. We had an incidental pause between recordings that was due to travel one week ago from Southern Oregon back to Northwest Michigan, where we are spending our winter break. And I hope you're all having a lovely holiday season, wherever you might be spending it. Hopefully there's been time for respite and relaxation, for exercise and for fine dining, for treats and for gift giving and receiving and reconnection with family and friends. We have been fortunate to experience all of those things, and we have another week pending. I think this might be my first full winter break since my time in medical school, and I'm enjoying it fully. I'm appreciative of my colleagues back in Oregon who made the space and time and coverage for our patients, for me to be here, for my family, for making the effort to come and join us, and for friends, helping both with our home and space back in Oregon and with those here in Michigan who are showing up and engaging with us. So I extend the beginning of this episode uh, with gratitude. The topic as it's presented itself this week comes from my own experience, from those I've observed in my, among my friends and family for some of my patients. And I wonder if it's just life. I wonder if it's a sign of the times. There are a number of challenges that present themselves and kind of in the ether, it seems at times that we're posed in this state of struggle. And so we're gonna work through an exploration of some words, always a favorite place for me and see where this concept takes us and what solutions it might provide. The idea of struggle, and I've had a variety of episodes kind of circling around this concept, looking at you know, surrender and resilience and these different concepts, but I really wanted to spend some time just thinking about the idea, the concept of struggle and where we might take that in relationship to osteopathic medicine and treatment and into the health of our lives. So looking at the baseline definitions, struggle to make forceful or violent efforts to get free of restraint or constriction. And it's a fascinating concept to me and seems more aggressive than what I would think when I generally just think of the idea of struggle you know, struggle is not being able to do something easily or having to work harder than maybe you think you should. But this idea of making forceful or violent efforts 
to get free of restraint or constriction. When I look at that definition, when I think about those words, I see this control piece. And we talked again a few episodes back about taking back our power. And in so doing, recognizing where we have the room, the space, and the power to control something and where we don't. And seeing that struggle comes when we try to exert that level of power or control over something is entirely outside the realm of our possible direction. When I think about the restraint and constriction, I wonder where those are coming from. Again, are these something that we've walked into, something that's being imposed on us, something that we have created by, again, entering into a relationship or an interaction with something that isn't where we're meant to be and isn't something that holds potential for health for us. Making forceful or violent efforts. This one is where I did kind of a double take, triple take with this definition. And you know, I think of struggle or conflict when I hear those words, forceful and violent, almost in a militaristic way. It seems so extreme relative to the idea of struggle that I feel in my own life or that I observe in friends or family or patients or those around me. But at the same time, perhaps it's appropriate. And there are these forceful and violent experiences we have perhaps internally. And oftentimes, whether we're saving face or we're just coping enough to get through the day-to-day process of life, you know, it may not seem like we're having this constant internal turmoil, but we very well might be. And listening for where it really bubbles up, where it really becomes to those extremes of forceful and violent efforts to get free of restraint and constriction, looking at what those opposing forces are and what opportunity we have to move around them, to let go of that struggle, to sidestep and move around obstructions and get ourselves back onto a path of greater ease. And we're going to move into that word in just a moment. But first, I'd like to share one more definition or concept of struggle. To experience difficulty and make a very great effort in order to do something. And that one, I think, perhaps aligns more with what I would just offer myself as an idea and concept of struggle. You know, but it also seems friendlier. And maybe diluting it takes away the identification of how much of a challenge life can be and how greatly many of us can struggle within and against that which we're facing. So I think both are fair. I think perhaps the latter is the goal definition and maybe the former is a realistic application that we try to sidestep, you know, we try to pretend isn't there. And maybe we need to pause for a moment, acknowledge just how much difficulty we can have, just how much struggle we can endure and begin there so we can really truly move through and into a space and place of healing. 
And so the opposite of struggling or something that causes us to struggle would be the idea of something that would be easy. And I came around to this as I was talking to a friend about struggles is wondering, you know, why if my entire professional life and, you know, these things that I'm writing about and researching and exploring have to do with finding ease, why there's so much struggle. And as I sat with those three concepts, struggle, ease, easy, I realized that there isn't a straight path between them and that ease does not mean easy. They are not the same thing. Looking at root words and parts of speech as they might be, ease can be a noun or a verb. It can stand alone. You know, we can experience ease, we can provide ease, we can have ease, and it's essentially a state of being, a way of being. Easy is an adjective, which means it really can't exist on its own. It's describing something. And it can be the way we experience something, but it isn't that full experience of that ease provides. And when I think about this in osteopathic medicine, we talk about styles of treatment and we look at direct versus indirect treatment. And direct is where we take something to the barrier, to where it doesn't want to go. So if you're just thinking about your head and neck and you can rotate right, you can rotate left and you can't rotate as far to the left. You're not able to go to the left. That is not the direction of ease. That's the direction of the barrier. And so when we would treat, we would take it there. We would take it up to that edge of where it doesn't want to go and then either introduce a force to move it beyond or ask the patient to provide some action against our resistance and then take up the slack and move it further in that direction. So that's working directly at the barrier, taking something where it doesn't want to go. Generally means applying force in some way. And that is not the style of treatment that I tend to use predominantly and for many reasons, some, the do unto others concept. I never really appreciated or liked having that treatment applied to me. It felt like too much. It felt like enforcing something on my body that wasn't perhaps ready or welcome to receive that. And so I tend to treat in the realm of what we would call indirect osteopathic manipulative treatments. And the official definition from AACOM, um, which I'll put the link here as a glossary of osteopathic uh, terms, is where the restricted barrier is disengaged and the dysfunctional body part is moved away from the restricted barrier until tissue tension is equal in one or all planes and directions. And that's a lot of words, and I can appreciate a lot of words, but if I were to describe an indirect technique to someone, I'd say we're taking it where it wants to go. So we just described that right and left rotation of the neck. So we would actually move into the right rotation, the way your neck is more comfortable going, and hold there in a place of balanced tension. So where 
everything feels kind of soft and equal and it doesn't feel like there is restrictive motion or tension pulling in a particular direction. And oftentimes we'll hold there. We might use some support from the body like breath, maybe something like compression or traction. So there might be force applied, but it's in a way that's working with where the patient and their body and their physiology is going. We call that the direction of ease. And when we look at the definition of ease further in this document specific to osteopathic medicine, it discusses the relative palpable freedom of motion of an articulation or tissue. And interestingly, the two synonyms it provides for ease in this glossary of terms are compliance and resilience. And compliance, I can see, because we're talking about moving in this direction where the body already wants to go, it's cooperative, you know, it's fluid. But resilience was interesting to me. And resilience, oftentimes, I will consider as, you know, this strength and this fortitude, and in some ways, almost a little bit like a resistance or, you know, if you would press it, it wouldn't just fall over, like I'm picturing those punching bags, right? And seeing it as a synonym to ease was this huge shift for me that ease is a place of strength and action and intentional being. It's not the absence of all of those things and it's not just giving way or giving up or even that dynamic of surrendering, which we've talked about before. But ease has structure. You know, it can be robust. It can be powerful. And it can still be free of tension. And I think that spoke to me so much, especially with one friend who in particular is going through a big shift in life. Um, and doing so much good work and yet seems like there's so much struggle remaining. However, seeing ease as compliance and resilience says to me, you know, that healing is happening, but that healing is big and it has structure and it isn't something that's just going to blow away in the wind. You know, it's there, it's present. It's able to stand alone. You know, it's a thing and it's an action all at once. It's a state of being. And we can experience that because of struggle. You know, we can get to ease for having come through these challenges. We don't get to ease through easy. And I think that's something I really need to remind myself of over and over again and perhaps remind my patients of more clearly that we have the power and the capacity and the ability to experience ease, to be ease, to present ease to the world. And most likely it is not going to come from an easy set of circumstances. And that's okay. And perhaps adjusting that expectation can reduce the sense of the struggle. As I looked for quotes 
as I tend to do. Admittedly, I didn't find many, so I'll have to perhaps make one up, generate one, illustrate this point more completely. As I get there, I'll bring it back to you. But something that came up as I explored this was the Danish concept of huga, if I'm saying it correctly, H-Y-G-G-E. And there are many books on this now, and it's become more mainstream. But the quote about it um, that did contain this concept spoke to me. Huga relies on us finding a balance between self-containment and wholehearted participation, personal liberty, and awareness of the needs of others. It connotes a caring, civilized mode of behavior that builds companionable ease and trust. And I think that speaks to me most clearly on that external relationship that allows us to experience ease more fully. And seeing where we're choosing relationships that call upon us to build strength and learn how to understand and navigate conflict and conflict resolution and make peace and stand up for ourselves in arguments in a respectful way and gain skills and find those where we can just be and see where there's a balance point on helping us to build the skills that we need to live a full and complete and wholehearted human experience. I think, particularly for me, applying those internally as well is so important. You know, how much are we taking care of ourselves? How much are we looking to others to validate and to meet our needs? And where is the balance point between those two? And when we can find that safe space within ourselves, we can become better able to engage with those around us. So as I pause and consider how I work within my practice of osteopathic medicine and honoring the health and seeking the ease for the patients, treating in the direction of ease and finding when treatments can be so successful and when the results are less than ideal, perhaps what piece was missing and maybe it was skipping over the struggle and missing the source of building to that place of resilience instead of seeking an easy path that might allow us to think we've achieved a state of ease where instead we've kind of just skipped the difficult parts that we needed for the lesson and the learning and the skill and strength building that would have gotten us to this more sustainable place of ease. We are in a world that's largely focused on short-term solutions, immediate gratification, and it can be great in that moment and for a short time. And then you know, we're stuck with the results of these decisions and actions and behaviors and patterns that get us to a point 
where we can't continue. And so what might have seemed like ease all along was really easy. And that stream runs out. You know, that is an unsustainable way of being where there can be aspects of the struggle where we experience difficulty and make a great effort in order to do something that allows us to build strength and to take that step beyond, kind of move out of the rough patches to the clearing and we can stay there for a much longer period of time. Thinking about the use of direct or indirect treatments and where the sense of ease comes into place. And there can be a time when direct can be so helpful. And I have some colleagues who treat almost exclusively with direct techniques and have great success. And they do so from a place of knowing, understanding, anatomy, physiology, patient tolerance, responsiveness of the tissues and applying just that level of force that the body is able to handle, that will encourage appropriate change. And interestingly, we tend to attract the cohort of patients that responds to the type of treatment we use, you know, either through recommendation of patients to their friends and family or for physicians who refer a patient of a certain type and recognize when that same one would have success with a certain physician. And there can be a role for that in recognizing when the application of force can be meaningful, when applied respectfully and intentionally with acknowledgement of the result and the response. And there's a place for indirect. when We need to respect the least amount of tension in the system and go there and be patient and wait and give the body opportunity to step through a door that has been opened toward healing and to move forward at a pace that's appropriate for long-term sustainability. And I think balancing those two is a great gift that can be given to patients as well as to ourselves. If we think about when in our lives we need to apply a little more force, light a fire under ourselves for motivation, as we talked about previously with commitment and follow-through, and times when we need to make space, you know, create opportunity and hold helpful boundaries and recognize that when the time is right and we are ready, we can move through into a more sustainable place of being, of kindness, of productivity, as is appropriate. And then really sitting with this idea of ease as compliance and ease as resilience. And for me, really shifting what those two synonyms can mean, where compliance can be intelligent and intentional, and it's not just giving way and giving in and letting go of who you are and how you are for someone else or another system, but being able to adapt and being able to acclimate and perhaps bring your own presence and being into the experience to improve it. And ease is resilience. Just wow with this one. 
being resilient takes some trial and error. You know, we find ways to overcome and to withstand and to remain through experience and oftentimes through a challenging experience and recognizing that to truly have experience be ease, we have to come through some difficult times. And so rather than lamenting the struggle or shirking the struggle, seeing the opportunity that's there to build those muscles and also stepping through, not staying in the struggle, but moving through it and seeing that on the other side, there is that clearing, there is that opportunity, there is that place of ease. And I've come to that point where I've said these words so many times, they've lost their meaning and that's okay because the goal is to redefine them and to see where we can gain a new perspective on them from a different part of our lives. And so I challenge you to think about if you just quickly scan your life, day, week, month, year, where do you sense that you experience ease? Not easy, not what is easy for you, but where do you experience ease? And what surrounds that? And what did you have to do to get there? At what point was whatever that experience was that feels like a place of ease now not? And what steps perhaps took place to get you there? And what helped you to change direction? You know, did you have to apply force to do it? Did you go to a place of least tension, make space and move through? And where right now do you find yourself caught in that swirl and that cycle of struggle? And what lessons can you learn? What skills can you adapt from whatever took you to that place of ease into this now present struggle in order to move forward. I'm going to sit with that one. I'm going to work on coming up with a quote and I'm going to continue to marvel at the opportunities that come from the research and investigation of these podcasts to align various concepts and really allow me to settle in deeper into this learning and practice of osteopathy clinically, personally, philosophically, practically, you know, in community, and really explore opportunities to honor, acknowledge, and nurture the health. So that's the episode for today. I thank you for your time and your attention and for staying with me these past nearly 11 months. And I'm excited to see where we go as we move into this final session of season one. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.